0: Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Changes. We really hope that the message today would inspire, inspire, and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Well, I'm excited for the opportunity to be able to talk to you today. <clears throat> this is the last week that Pastor Lee will be gone. He is actually in Albuquerque today going over their vision Sunday, which is an exciting problem that we have here at this church, right? That our lead pastor has to go to these other campuses and talk about a vision of where God's taken us as a church as a whole. And, and it's super exciting where we're going. And so today we're going to kind of talk about our part in that and what that looks like and how, how we're going to partner with God to, to move forward. And we're going to position ourselves in a way that's going to allow God to just continually do the things that are honestly just mind-blowing. Because that's what he's done so far. See, uh, and I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again today. A couple years ago, so this is a 10-year vision, Vision 2030. If you don't remember last or a couple weeks ago, there was big things up here. It said 2030. So if you didn't catch that, you may need to get some glasses. They were like five feet tall. Okay, 2030. So that means we're two years into a 10-year vision, and things are going great, right? A lot of hiccups, a lot of problems, but a lot of miracles that God has already done. And so Pastor Lee presented this to us about two and a half years ago or so and said, I really feel like God's given me this vision for our church. I want y'all to, as a staff to go and pray about it, see if the Spirit confirms it with you, and come back. So we take about two weeks, and we come back, and Pastor Thomas is like, raise a hallelujah, absolutely, let's do it, no doubt about it. He's ready to kick down a door, right? And Pastor Vanessa was like, Yeah, that sounds awesome, cool, hip, dope, awesome. She's the youth pastor. She's got all the cool lingo, (laughs) right? And I was like, I'm just not feeling it. There's too many things that we don't have an answer to. We're not a big church. We don't have the money. We don't have the manpower. There's a lot of things that just, I don't see how this can happen. Who's going to take a job to go to Uvalde to lead a church that doesn't exist? right? All types of answers. And every answer along the way, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me slow down. So Pastor Lee in his wisdom said, hey, why don't we pray a little bit more? Y'all leave. Um, I have a feeling he may have done that until I said yes, right? But we go away and we pray. And we come back and everyone's got the same answer and they're pumped. And my answer really hadn't changed. And I said, I really feel like the Spirit's tell me just to trust them. And so if I'm being honest with y'all, I'm just doing it reluctantly. I'll get on the ship, but I'm really scared about where this is going. There's just too many things unanswerable, and, and, and it makes me nervous. But I really felt like the Spirit was, was uh, telling me to go, and so Pastor Lee was like, all right, let's do it. And so we go. Um, and it's been a whirlwind since but literally the entire way god has just shown me how big he is and how little i am right. how much he knows and how much i don't every step of the way he does not operate in the same capacities that me and you do right. i was telling somebody the story and it was literally like god was like i don't need money i just make it happen and he looked like what well, okay and and, and to the biggest spiritual things you could possibly think of, God came up with an answer, down to the most minute things. Like we had ran out of money in the budget when we were going through Uvalde and renovating the building, so it looked like they were going to have some concrete floors, which in the grand spectrum of things, that's fine, right? You can have a concrete floor. But it wasn't what we had hoped for. And I was like, my you know, cynical side, oh, here it is. This is the first one. It's all going to start unraveling. And a manufacturer in Dallas hears about it and says, hey, I want to give you a floor and I want to give it to you half off. I'm going to write the rest off as a gift. And so not only did we get a floor, we got like the floor if there was no money. Like money wasn't an option. Like that wasn't a problem. We got that floor. And so every time I walk into the sanctuary in Uvalde, I'm like, man, God is big. So if you go to Uvalde, you better look at that floor. (laughs) Look at that floor and enjoy that floor because God is good. Right? And, And so... Sometimes that's that's what we got. We just got to give it to him. And just jump on for the ride. Right? And so today we're going to be talking about this. Did you know that Jesus has a partnership? And this partnership is so important. It is actually what the entire goal of God, his entire plan and how he's going to reach the world is what it rests upon. And that partnership is with you. That is not a general you. That is an extremely, extremely specific you. If you're sitting in this building today and you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior who died for your sins, and therefore you are giving your life in response to that, he is partnered with you. Very specific. And so we're going to jump into some scripture today to kind of help us understand this. So we're going to be in John chapter 20. It'll be up on the screen. If you want to pull out your Bibles, you can do that as well. We'll we'll be in John uh, chapter 20, verse 21 through 23. And at this point in the story, let me catch you up. Jesus has gone through his ministry. He's healed. He's taught. He's done all the amazing things. He's walked on water. He's been betrayed. He's been beaten. He's hung on a cross. He's died. He's laid in the grave for three days. He's come back to life. Spoiler alert. Okay, And now he's walking around with his believers. And this is where we find him in the, in the story. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. There's a lot going on in that. There's a lot going on in that. So we're going to unpack it a little bit. He says, just as the father has sent me, I send you. This is Jesus. How did Jesus come? Well, one, he came very humbly, right? He came in a horse trough and they all thought he was going to come on his horses with chariots and he was going to wipe out all their enemies. And it was going to look like every takeover that they had ever seen before in history. And Jesus is like, nah, I'm going to come and lay on some straw." And he comes as a baby, most defenseless thing on this planet. He began to love them in a way they'd never been loved. He showed them grace and mercy they have never seen. He led them by serving them. And he came with an authority from God himself. And see, he handled that authority with grace. He, he didn't rub it in people's face. He, Like I said, he... Served them or led them by serving them, right? The authority was the fact that he didn't have to wonder. Every situation he walked into, he could do it with confidence because he says, "This is what God's called me to do. This is the partnership I've said with God, and He sent me to do these things, and I can do it boldly. I can love boldly. I can take care boldly. I can give boldly, and he he wasn't ashamed." Because he came with an authority from the Father. And then Jesus says, as he sent me, I send you. And I see that, and I just think, how inadequate am I? How small am I? I am going to mess this up. For sure. No doubt about it. But he's saying it to me. And he's saying it to you. This is the partnership. He moves on. He says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We see this language. He breathed on them three other times in scripture. One in Genesis, when God breathed into Adam and gave him life. Elijah breathed into the nostrils of the son of the widow, calling on God to restore the life to the boy. He does, if you haven't read the story. And then you have Ezekiel prophesying to the wind to breathe life into the slain of the valley of dry bones. And so he says, I'm going to breathe on him. This ain't no hot breath. This isn't like, you know, that stanky, like, hey, you're too close to me in the line. You need a backup type of breath, right? This is is a life-giving breath. But these people are already alive. They're listening to him. They're hearing him. They're looking at him. This breath is deep, and it's intimate. And he's saying, if you just get close enough, I'll breathe on you. And there will be a life given to you that you've never had before. There will be a power and a help that you've never had before. All those inadequacies that are sitting there in the back of your mind saying, this is how i screwed up. The helper is coming to overcome all those things. It's a wonderful thing. And then it jumps in and it continues and this is where Jesus does the Jesus thing and he really drives the point home. He says if you forgive anyone's sins they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them they are not forgiven. Now, Jesus has not given us the power of God here. We're not sitting here forgiving sins. Right? I'm not sitting here saying, "Okay, you're forgiven today." And uh, tomorrow we'll see how I feel. Okay? I hold your destiny in my hand. That's not what's happening. Because the only one that can forgive sins is God himself. The just God sitting on the throne. He's forgiving sins. When you look at the language here, the language is passive. And the statement only comes after he says, I'm going to breathe on you and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit through you is going to work in a way that people will either be forgiven or not forgiven. That's the partnership. There's a lot of weight to that. Right? Again, we're not forgiving people. But when I feel that urge to walk over and talk and I'm watching the person crying or I know what they're going through, right there in that moment, I have a decision to make that is either going to help lead them to forgiveness or to not forgiveness. And this is the partnership. I'm gonna take you to Romans 8:28. A lot of you have probably heard this, um, but we're gonna look at something that was new to me, and so I'm excited to share that with you as we read this. It says, "And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose." All right. And before we we move on, the NT Wright is the world's leading scholar. On, on the new testament he says in, in a lot of the transcripts that word for could actually trans, actually be translated into the word with and so today i want to read that scripture with the word with there in there so jane go ahead and move on to the next one there it says and we know that in all things god works for the good with those who love him who have been called according to his purpose that one word changes a lot of things huh He works with. This is the partnership. He's saying, I'm going to work with you. If you just stay close to me, that I can breathe on you and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is going to work through you so that I can spill my goodness into the world so that they will know what it is to be loved by me. And this is the partnership. That's what He's called us to. And again, I'm inadequate. But he's given me the Holy Spirit. See, and I I talk about this a lot. And, and, you know, to be honest, I didn't get to choose what I was preaching about today. We have a preaching calendar and the way the dates fell. This is what I was preaching about. And I'm excited to get to preach about it. But I I think the reason that I, I, I talk about this so often is because I just really have a passion to see people live with the power of Jesus Christ in their life. And in reality, and unfortunately, in America, we don't see that very often. We see people sitting in pews, going through checklists that make them feel better about themselves. And I can say this because I did it. That's who I was. I was taught all the right things. Loved the way I should have been loved in a good household. have no excuses. Yet my life did not reflect it. Everyone knew who I was. I was the preacher's kid. Zach's a Christian, but Zach is rude, harsh, ugly, and mean, and no one likes him. I even carried my Bible around sometimes in high school. I did not open it. I did not read it. If I'm being honest, I just thought the girls would think it was cool. (laughs) My wife is here for the first service. She heard it. It's okay. You don't have to tattle on me. (laughs) See, I believed in who he was, but I did not believe in who he was for me. Right? I did not believe that he was sitting there 2,000 years ago saying, this is for Zach Young and for everything he's going to do. All the times he's going to fail me, all the times he's going to spit in my face, I'm doing this for him. And there's a big difference. See, the scripture tells us that even Satan recognizes who Jesus is and what he did. So really, all I was doing was I was sitting in a boat with Satan. It wasn't until I said, oh, I believe in who he is for me, that things began to change in my life. And I understood a partnership that I was engaging in. A deep, intimate relationship. But see, often we're just too content. We're just okay with where we are. And maybe you're sitting there saying, Zach, I've never said in my life that I'm content. And that may be true. Most likely it is true. But have you ever gotten so busy that your prayer time slipped? Or that your reading slipped? Or you felt the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go over there. You need to pray with them. You need to speak to them. You need to X, Y, and Z. You need to give them the money. You need to do whatever. And you didn't. In that moment, you were saying, God, I'm good. Right here. I'm comfortable in this spot. I got my beanbag and my Coke, and I'm chilling. But that's not what he's calling us to. Often what he's calling us to is very uncomfortable. And he's calling us out of something. If I could just be honest with y'all this morning, going across a room and talking to somebody brand new is not my forte. I don't like it. Now, once I get to know you, I'll talk your ear off. And if y'all know me, you know that to be true. As Trent and Trevor, there's been many a nights we're here at 2 a.m. Talking about who knows what. Because I don't know how to end a conversation. But as soon as it's a new person, I, it's like I'm paralyzed. And then we find out that Pastor Thomas is going to move to Albuquerque, and that was his job, making everybody feel welcome. And a lot of you have that story of how he made you feel so warm and welcomed. That's what kept you here until you got plugged in. Now that job was being presented to me, which I had already talked to Pastor Lee a couple years back. I felt like God was calling me into this more intimate place of teaching and developing and walking with, but it made me so uncomfortable I would shake. And now that's my job. (laughs) I think I've grown. But I'll be honest, there's a lot of Sundays where I don't do well at that. Because I allow my my paralysis, I allow my my content to just keep me in my little comfort bubble. And when Thomas was here, it was so good because he was helping me. He was training me in all the things that he did so that I could pick them up when he left. And he would see me get into my little bubble You'd see me get in my rut, and a very Thomas fashion would come and grab me and say, Let's go talk to new people. And there wasn't much option in it, right? He made it look friendly and nice, but like my neck was being pulled, you know? But we need that. We need community. We need someone to say, I see you in your rut. I see you doing the same things, and it's not what God's calling you to. We're going over here, let's go. You need community. That's my plug for community groups. They start this week. Sign up. Okay, that makes it sound kind of disingenuous, I guess, when we say sign up, but it's not. That's just the process in which you get engaged with people. Once you're there, you will realize they are real people. They're not robots. It's not social media. There's not autobots replying to stuff. These are real people in the same situations you are, Trying to chase after Jesus. So sign up. But sometimes all, all we can give is like our compliance. Right? Like my attitude's not there yet. But I can just say yes. Because he's calling me to something that honestly scares the bejeebers out of me. So I just need to say yes. Just go. We talk about a lot in the transformation class, uh, the process of being grafted in. And that is when you cut a host plant and bring in a migrant plant and you have to bind them up. And we talk about the binding. Something's got to hold those plants together until the life of the host plant begins to feed into that one to it. It makes fruit from the host plant. That bonding agent is the Holy Spirit in our obedience. Sometimes you just gotta say yes, even though your heels are dragging in the ground. Just go. The attitude will come. It's interesting if a lot of times when you read the gospel, Jesus takes all the disciples and does something, and then after they're like, Wait, well, but why'd we do that? And then he teaches them. But they're just going. They're along for the ride. They're following him everywhere he goes. And so maybe that's where you're at today, and you just need to be compliant. Just be compliant. That's step one. And as you just say yes, just do it, even though your heart doesn't feel it. The Holy Spirit will transform your heart. There's that scripture in Psalms that says that he will give you the desires of your heart. But no one reads all the other verses before that talk about that happens after you do everything God tells you. Right, because once you do the things God tells you, the Holy Spirit comes in you, does a supernatural change to where your desires now align with the desires of God. And again, we look at all this and we just feel inadequate. But Jesus says, if you just get close, if you just chase me down, I'll breathe on you. And I'll give you all the help you need. He says, I know you're going to jack up. I know I got this whole plan, and this is how the world's going to come to know who I am. And you're going to mess it up, and that's okay. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give you the person sitting next to you. He gave you the Holy Spirit, and he gave you people. Sometimes you just need the Thomas to grab you by the neck and pull you. And that's what leads us to our core values. And so let me tell you how those came to be. Uh, Maybe four years ago, three years ago, the staff came together for many weeks in a row and just made a super long list of everything Jesus did, everything we read about Jesus, everything we thought he may have thought did, whatever. Super long list. Then we took a couple weeks, prayed, came back, and we just started narrowing those things down well, that fits with that, that kind of leads into this, boom, boom, boom. And ultimately we landed on three and recently added two more. And and what we really believed was if you embody these values, then you are going to be imitating Jesus himself so that then the Holy Spirit can work with you to spill his goodness into the world. So the first one we have is worship passionately. What is worship? Worship is not a time of the service when we're singing music. It's not a genre of music. It is, but that's not what worship is. They just use that as a title. right? Worship is to adore. That's a single-minded focus. A single-minded focus. When I think about people with a single-minded focus, I think of people like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady. These people that wake up and they eat, breathe, and sleep what they do. Everything they eat, everything they drink, everything they read is through the filter of football, basketball, golf. That is worship. Worship is a lifestyle, it is a single minded focus where I'm giving reverence to something that I'm dedicating my life to. And in this case, Jesus Christ. That is worship. It goes beyond this wall. And should go into every aspect of your life. And then I really love that we tag on the word passionately to it. Worship passionately. And I think a lot of times when we hear that word passionate, we think of these big, giant personalities, right? And, and some of us are like, well, that's just not me, right? It's not a personality trait. Passion actually comes from the, the Latin root word, apache, which means to suffer. So are you willing to have a single-minded focus to the point of being uncomfortable, of being in that that pain zone? That's what it is. I remember this uh, interview, uh, Kobe Bryant was, they were playing somebody that week, and he found out that one of the opponents woke up at like 5 a.m., I think, and he started waking up at 4 a.m. That's uncomfortable. I have a baby that wakes me up at 4 a.m. every night, and it's uncomfortable every night. I hate it, right? But we, we get caught in our bubble and we don't want to step out of it. But to worship passionately is to have a single-minded focus to the point of being uncomfortable. And if we can do that, it changes our life. Next one is serve others. And um, Pastor Lee wrote something on serve others that I just thought was better than what I could say. So here we go. It says, the Bible teaches that serving others is a way of sacrificing our time and our agenda to help others along their journey. The act of serving also requires us to love better. If you've been around Pastor Lee at all for any amount of time, you'll hear that phrase all the time, right? You've got to lo- love better. Love better. That's the answer to everything. Jesus, God is love. So if I'm going to be like God, if I'm going to handle my life better, I got to learn to love better. It's a process. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. We have to put the needs of others before our own. And then this is my favorite little part. Serving kills selfishness so long as it is done with the right attitude. Serving kills selfishness. So if you're getting in your, your flesh a little much, and you're saying, I, I got to shake things up, you may want to say, how can I serve better this week? There's something about when you start focusing on the needs of others, it takes the focus off yourself. There's a new study out that says no one actually multitasks. Their mind just jumps from one thing to the next. Your mind is actually incapable of doing both at the same time. I got to tell my wife that so that she can't brag to, to me about it anymore, right? Um, right? She's just better at, her mind's better at jumping from one thing to the next a lot better than mine. She's very seamless in it. But we, our minds can't do it. And so when we serve other people, our minds go on to what they need, what's going on in their lives. And I can no longer focus about myself. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. How did he, how did he come? He led them by serving them. And so we serve others. We encourage everyone at Crossroads to serve others all the time. Our desire is not simply that you will serve others in the church, but um, to develop a servant's heart always ready to help others however you are able in love. You don't need someone to tell you to do it. You don't need a food drive at the church to tell you to do it. If you see it, do it. You know people near you that need help. And sometimes it's not a financial help. Sometimes they just need somebody there. Just be there. You were in a small group uh, about a year ago. And uh, Pastor Lee was asked the group um, what's, what's a ministry that you think is important and I remember Lisa Burnett said the ministry of being there, being present I think is the most important and that smacked me in the face just being there I thought it was so so good <laughs> and it was so profound in, in that moment I had never even thought of that that sometimes I'm just ministering to someone's spirit just by sitting next to them We had a family that was really struggling, nothing in their fridge, nothing in their, their pantry. And Pastor Vanessa heard wind of this, and she texted the young adult group, and within a couple of hours, they had like $1,200 or something like that. Bought this lady groceries, right? And a few others in the church ch- chipped into that. Right? That's just seeing a need and taking care of it. Just go. Serve others. Okay, the next one. So we got worship passionately. We got serve uh, others. This one is share truth. The scripture teaches us faith comes by hearing. So when we talk about what God has done in our life, the faith in other people's lives grows. Right, and so we have to do this. And and, and I think if you're seeing any of this, you'll see that there's no such thing as a passive Christian. But there should only be active Christ followers. See, in America, we have really gotten attached to this phrase, Christian. And people use it like it's nothing. Right? I watch reality TV shows and they say they're a Christian and then they're cheating on, like, four girls on the show. Right? Like, well. right? And I'm not sitting here judging them. I don't know them. We're all in our own walks and we have our own struggles. When I came to Jesus, I promise you all my ugliness didn't just go away. Right? But we all know people that... Really, they're just checking the list. And if you really read scripture, that's not an option. And so we're to share the truth. We're supposed to talk about these things with people. Christ cared for people's physical needs. It's super important to do this. That's our serve others, right? And, it, and if you don't think it's that important, you need to read the gospel of Luke. That's the whole thing is taking care of the down and out. All the people that everyone discarded, Jesus said, we're going to go love them and serve them. Right? But along the way, he talked about the Father and his kingdom and what God had sent him to do, the partnership that God had with him. And he says, as the Father sends me, I send you. This is the partnership. So we have worship passionately, serve others, share truth. The next one we have follow the word. Every time I think of this one, I think about Hebrews chapter 4, and that's probably my favorite chapter um, in scripture right now, but we're just going to read one scripture from it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts. I'm going to read it one more time. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There's like an entire sermon series just in that one scripture. We're not going to do that unless y'all want to. Oh, a couple. All right. All right. Well, we're staying till five. We got, y'all, can all, uh, y'all are going to buy everyone's lunch, right? I'm just kidding. All right. So right here, I want to focus. It says the word is alive and active. So when I interact with the scripture, something happens in me that changes my spirit. It changes my posture. It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword piercing between the joints and the marrow. Right? That is getting down deep into, the, into who you are. In other uh, translations, it says bone and marrow. Right? Bone is just the physical casing. Marrow is actually what gives the bone life. And he's saying, I'm going to get between kind of what we are, right? We're a physical casing with a spirit in us that's given us life. He's saying, I'm going to get down in between that. And you're going to become self-aware. When I read scripture, it starts to show me all the junk that's going on. Which is possibly why a lot of us avoid it. Because it's uncomfortable. But if I'm to follow the word, right? If if God says, this is my revelation of who I am to you in written form. Then we need to get in it. We look at Christ, when he was tempted, what did he do? He went to Scripture. He quotes Scripture. He knows the promises of God, and there's no doubt in his mind what he's going to do in that moment because he knows exactly what God is calling him to. Too many of us don't know who God is well enough to sit in the situation and say, this is what God's calling me to. This is what he said about this. And to follow the word is not a passive reading. Right? Have you ever been reading, and you get like, well, maybe it's just me, but I get like five pages down, and I'm like, wait, what? i got to go all the way back and start over? That's why I never really did English homework in high school, because I could never read the thing. Right? But that's a passive reading. There's a difference between passive reading and saying, I'm going to open this thing up, tear it apart, and study it so that I know what it means and how it applies to me. And in this day and age, honestly, there's just not many excuses. There's so many resources online for you to help you to tear it apart. We have classes here at the church that will help you tear it apart. If you want to learn how to study the scripture, join the Bible study. It's going to be on Tuesday nights. Trevor will be leading that that he has a, literally in a degree on how to tear apart that stuff. Join it. Learn how to study the Bible with him. It'll be awesome. So, so far we have worship passionately, serve others, share truth, follow the word. The last one is love the church. When they presented this one, I wasn't too fond of it. Because in my mind, I thought everyone, most people, when they hear the term church, they just think about everything that bad that's ever happened to them in it. And now we're going to say, but you need to love it. And uh, Pastor Lee was like, yeah. Okay. (laughs) But we talked about what is the church? The church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is you. And so when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that he died for my sins, for my sins. And in return, I'm going to give my life to him. You're walking into a new family, a new community in which you are to love and take care of. Because together, we are supposed to go out into the world and let God's goodness spill out of us. So every time we get offended or frustrated, we can't just pick up and run. And and Pastor Vanessa preached last week about how we need to be better at loving people and be better at being the church. So I'm not going to preach that message. But that ties into this. People wouldn't have such a negative view of what church is if we were doing better at our job of loving people into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? And so these things are coming. And so we need to love the church. We're going to support it. We're going to devote our lives to it. And that's yes, it's an organization here in this 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 uh context, but really what it is is you. It's Nate. I'm gonna invest in Nate. I'm gonna to get to know who he is, and when he's in trouble, I'm gonna to come to his help. Right? when the church is doing something and it's to reach people, I'm going to back it up with my time and my money. Because we're here to try to reach them. And so we have worship passionately, serve others, share truth, follow the word, love the church. This is the partnership. This is what God's called us to and here at, in this local body of Crossroads, we believe through those core values, those five things, you will imitate who Christ is so that the Holy Spirit can work with you to spill his goodness to the rest of the world. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray. So just go ahead and get yourself in a... Uh, posture of prayer, get your mind focused on him, let all other things fade away. He is so good. God, we come to you today just Recognizing that we are just inadequate to this thing that you've called us to. And to be honest, it, it frightens us. We don't want to mess it up. We love you too much. But we're going to trust you. And we're going to go where you call. We're going to do what you're saying. This morning, I just ask that you would give people the strength and the courage to overcome their fears, their paralysis, their uh, anxieties about the things that you're placing on their heart. I ask that we would be a good, uh, a people that are good at loving like you. And we need your help. So in this partnership, we just promise that we're just going to try to get as close to you as possible. So that you can just breathe on us. Give us that life. Give us the strength. God, I'm just excited to, to what a, an entire community of believers doing this, what it would look like. As it changes families and workplaces and neighborhoods. And I just pray that over us as a body, as Crossroads here at City South, in Uvalde, in Albuquerque, and all the ones to come. I pray that you give us courage to do what you call. Ed, just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.